We're living in uncertain times. No matter who you are or where you're from, these are the times when a helping hand is welcome. And these are the times when credit unions are at their best. Credit unions are not-for-profit financial cooperatives owned and operated by their members. Focused on their members and their communities, credit unions are putting people first all across America. With low-interest loans for those most in need, emergency help for those who've lost a steady income, and financial counseling for those who don't know all their options. Credit unions are here to help you right now with emergency loans and special programs to meet all your financial needs. These are the times when people stand up and take care of each other. We can all use a helping hand. Your credit union is here to help because we're all in this together. To learn how Illinois credit unions are here to help during the COVID-19 crisis, go to betterforillinois.org. Welcome to the Monday Morning Blues. I'm your host, Christian Hansen. It's going to be quite a show today, guys. Not only is it the first show of the Monday Morning Blues, which is incredibly awesome, but another thing that's pretty darn cool, if you ask me, we are a student-run podcast for Obanzi Community College, and we are very, very privileged to have up-and-coming female blues rock guitarist, singer-songwriter Aaron Coburn on our show this morning. It's going to be a wonderful wonderful morning and I am really looking forward to it well 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 like I said I am Christian Hansen the host of the Monday Morning Blues the Monday Morning Blues the naming and how it came to be so I was uh I'm in a mass communications program at my local community college and we had a project given out to us that we had to do a podcast for um, you know the duration of a semester and uh, there's one thing that popped right in my head and that's the blues and jazz um, it's a, it's both both genres you know don't really get that attention anymore that they should um, which is kind of disheartening when there's so much raw talent out there I mean they don't radio play it they don't talk about it. They don't even, you know, show their category being awarded the Grammys. That's all done off television. There's just been a lot of, in my eyes, I feel disrespect towards the genre. And, you know, me being as young as I am, I'm only 22, turning 23 in, in a month. It's it's, uh, it's important to kind of keep supporting this because there's a lot of great people out there. And you'll get to meet one of them today, Aaron Coburn. Um, so yeah, um, like I said, it's a, it's a podcast focused on highlighting blues and jazz musicians across the globe. The show is part of a project, like I said, for my class and blues and jazz music personally have always been something that I've really, really hold near and dear to my heart. Um, like I said, I'm only 22 and I personally don't think there's many people as passionate about the history of, you know, both the blues and jazz. I mean, I've, my, my range from artists and, you know, how far back I go and listening goes, you know, from Blind Lemon Jefferson all the way up until, you know, like a Gary Clark Jr. So it's, you're going from 1895 with Blind Lemon Jefferson, 
through Muddy Waters, Coco Taylor, John Coltrane, B.B. King, Buddy Guy, Steve Ray Vaughan, Hendrix. I mean, there's so many people I can name, but I like it all. Um, it's just really, really good stuff. And personally, the blues first hit me when I was just a little kid. Um, my father would always pick me up from daycare or my babysitter um, when I was really young. And he'd always have the blues or rock playing in his car. Um, and it was never like heavy blues or heavy rock. It was always that equal balance, which I think was important. Um, and, you know, whether it was Robin Trower who was blasting, uh, Ted Benoit, uh, Anthony Gomes, who I actually just got to see for the first time ever on Friday night in uh, Lombard at the Brower House. He was absolutely phenomenal. Um, so like I said, Anthony Gomes or even Kenny Wayne Shepherd among the many. Um, you know, over my life, I, I really, really grew a strong liking into really everyone my father played. Um, but there was one that kind of stuck out the most, and that was without question Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Um, <clears throat> You know, I just loved it all. It, it kind of gave me everything I really wanted. You know, it was a blues. It gave me rock. A little bit of country. And then southern rock. And, you know, once I got done listening to Kenny's entire catalog, I started researching, you know, people who kind of influenced him. And that's where I came across, who till this day will forever probably be my biggest inspiration when it comes to playing guitar. The wonderful Mr. Stevie Ray Vaughan, so... You know, music tends to, to do that. You know, you, you figure out and you, you find, you know, people through people, through more people. And, you know, it's just like a big chain. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was really, really, really cool. And, you know, I kind of had a really, might sound, you know, kind of exaggerating, but I kind of had like a life-changing moment, Um I got to see Kenny Wayne Shepherd for the first time at the theater that I work at in St. Charles um, in November. And I was just like, everything could have blown up around me that night. And I wouldn't have even noticed because I was just so locked into what he was doing. Um, and it was really, really mesmerizing. And ever since that day, it was November 7th, 2018. All I wanted to do was play guitar. So, um, yeah, I mean the music can move you that's that's a for sure thing so um this is uh this is my tip of the cap to people who inspired me and continue to do so so um without further ado i think it's time we uh bring on aaron coburn she's uh 17 years old singer songwriter all the way from union kentucky Coburn has captivated her audiences since a very, very young age with her prowess on guitar, her powerful vocals, and bringing her own style of rock with blues influences into the 21st century. Those that attend Aaron's live shows describe her as having a mesmerizing stage presence with her intricate arrangements and dynamic lyrics that stirs the soul. She commands her band with an effortless confidence while giving the audience something unexpected like shredding her electric ukulele during a hypnotizing solo. It is my honor to have on the wonderful Aaron Coburn. Well, it is such an honor beyond belief to have the wonderful Aaron Coburn all the way from Union, Kentucky today on our podcast. Uh, where did this interview find you this evening, Aaron? Well, uh, 
Actually, I'll be editing my, my YouTube videos, and um, I'll be, of course, playing some guitar tonight after the, after the interview. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, um, first and foremost, obviously, I mean, you're fairly young, uh, 18 years old, correct? Actually, I am 17. I'll 17. be 18 in June, though. Yes. Even younger. Wow. So <laughs> when did you first get interested in playing guitar, and what age was that? So it, back when I was two years old, um, that's kind of what sparked my interest um, at that age. My dad had an acoustic guitar that my mom gave him, but he never played it. It just kind of laid around the house. And, of course, two-year-old me found it, and I picked it up and played it like an upright bass because it was bigger than me. So that's kind of what sparked my interest in guitar like way, way back when. But I really got serious about it, um, about learning it when I was seven. And then from there, it just steamrolled. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, yeah, a lot of kids, you know, they'll pick up a guitar, your parents force it on them and stick with it. But you actually stuck with it, um, yeah. which, is, which is really incredible. Um, what was, yeah, my parents I, never, they never forced me to. They never were like, you need to do this, you need to do this. It was all very... Um, it was all very natural. Nothing was forced. And I think that's what's really helped um, my music career because I just I haven't gotten tired of it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's important. And obviously, you know, you're uh, not only are you one heck of a guitar player, you also got quite a voice. Uh, what, what came first did you? Did you think did you think did you find yourself more of a guitar player early on or or a singer? When did the two kind of all kind of mesh together? And you're like, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this. <laughs> well, uh I think guitar definitely spoke to me more first. I mean, I, I always sang, but um, I never really sang from the right place. I know, like, to be not to be too technical, but I was always singing from my throat instead of singing from, like, my diaphragm. So I think guitar was, became a lot easier to me. Um, but around, I think it was around when I was 12 is when I got into vocal lessons. And that's when I really started to work on controlling my voice. And then I got more comfortable with um, playing my guitar and singing at the same time. And actually one of my, one of my very first guitar teachers told me I could not sing and play at the same time. And uh, I think I proved him wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks the same way. I mean, to me, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're quite established. I mean, for someone your age, it's just, you know, you, you can't teach this. It's just called the natural. I mean, you see guys out there like Quinn Sullivan, too. I mean, oh, yeah. you can't teach that. You can't teach that. You're just born to play like you are. Um, <laughs> so, you know, everybody, everyone has that first song. Um, uh, guys spoke to uh, the other day, Zane Carney, you know, out of yeah. everything he's done in his career, his first song he played was or learned was The Age of Aquarius from, uh, I think it was the musical um, Hair or something like that. What was your oh first song gosh. that you learned? From? That's awesome. Uh Honestly, I don't remember the first song that I wrote. I think I think it was from this little guitar book, and it was called Effigy. And it was like a three-second little song. That was the very first one. But to be real, um, I never really liked learning other people's songs. Um, I, I liked write, writing my own and kind of coming up with things on my on my own. I guess that's like the songwriter side of me. But um, the, the first song I ever like really learned was my own that I uh, made up for my first recital, and it was called The Crocodile Blues. <laughs> the Crocodile <laughs> Blues. That's funny. Yep. <laughs> but after that, it was probably Smoke on the Water. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, it's one of everybody's first couple. But the, the, oh, yeah. the thing that's even more interesting with you, besides the fact that your age and the voice and guitar playing, it's just incredible, is is the genre of choice. Um, you know, it seems like 
listening, you know, to to your first two albums, um, it seems like blues is the foundation for everything. You could kind of find that within everything you've put out. But you mm-hmm. kind of, you aren't classified as a blues person, yeah. I would say. I mean, blues is the foundation and you find Absolutely. ways to kind of navigate from that. And the thing is with that is, um, is when it comes to that, who got you kind of hooked onto the blues? I mean, it's it's a genre that isn't really looked at anymore. I love it personally, but what was it oh, about yes. blues that got your attention so young? Well, my, my parents always played all kinds of music around the house and blues was one of them. And I never really um, paid attention that much to it, but I, I know I had listened to it when I was younger. But when I got my, like, I think it was my third or fourth guitar teacher, um, his name's John Riddell. He, um, he, he was a blues artist and he would go and play blues shows and and um, he always sang the blues. And I was like, what are you singing? Because that sounds so cool. It's, I, I loved how raw it was. It was just raw emotion. And like the, the best thing about the blues is that like a lot of the things that you play, nothing is wrong. It's all, it's all feeling. So you can't be wrong about what you're feeling. And I think that's why I like the blues so much because you just don't overanalyze things. You know, it's, it is just emotion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, growing up, like you said, you started when you were around seven. What was, you know, growing up, everyone has people that you look to or people that really kind of drove the passion into playing or singing for them. Growing up, what were some of your musical heroes? And, uh, you know, what was it about it, you know, that mesmerized you and kind of influenced you to to play even more? Okay, well, um, to start off, B.B. King was definitely um, one of my first uh, blues heroes, because he again he played he could play like two notes but there would be so much feeling in it um, and that really inspired me because when I, when I was playing guitar for like the first probably like the first six or seven years I uh, I couldn't play fast I saw all the all the boy guitarists around me and all the other guitarists around me being able to shred and play as fast as they could and I mean I just I didn't work on that so I was not I was not fast and I always wanted to be but once I heard BB King and I listened to him even more, I'm like, you know, he doesn't he doesn't play fast to to prove like what he's feeling. So um, that he really spoke to me, um, his guitar playing, and then Eric Clapton as well. But um, then just recently, not really recent, but over the past few years, uh, I've really gotten hooked on Larry McRae. Uh, I actually got to study under him a little bit, and he taught me some of his uh, his licks and stuff, which was really cool. Wow, that's pretty cool. You said you got to you got to work with him. What was that like? I mean, being able to to eventually work with someone that kind of you know you grew up liking. It was it was fantastic. I I, I honestly sometimes I couldn't believe it. I'm like I'm sitting here in Larry McRae's living room and we're just jamming and he's like showing me like it was just it was really cool. It, it I don't know music music can connect all ages too you know which is even better. But yeah, it was just it was awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, just through listening to your stuff, I've kind of I've drawn the, the biggest comparison that I could see through listening is without question, uh, Susan Tedeschi, a mini Susan Tedeschi and oh, Derek yeah. Trucks combination. I mean, I it's, it's 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 uh, it's it's everything. I mean, it's the playing and then it's it's, you know, it's a Derek skills on guitar and it's Susan. I, I it all it like it's like a mini, a mini you and them. So um, that's one thing I noticed. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, as you go along, you, you continue working at it with the singing and guitars. How long do you think it took to develop 
your own sound and tone when it started playing. I know a lot of people start out playing songs and, you know, trying to play the music that inspired them. But um, mm -hmm. eventually you go on and you start to make your own music and you start to incorporate little things that each of those artists that inspired you into your songs. Uh, who, who and, uh, you know, how did you incorporate some of your inspirations in your own music? Well, um, you know, like I said, I didn't, I didn't like copying people. I liked to do my own thing. I was very, uh, I like to be very, my own little individual with, with my guitar strings. But, um, like the inspiration I gained from those artists like BB King and Eric Clapton and, you know, like the Black Keys, you know, over the past year, I found what I liked to listen to, but I also found what, um, what felt right. Um, especially like guitar tone wise too. I just, just this past year, I, um, I feel like I've really delved more into that and I'm really starting to find my sound. Um, but like I've, I've listened to a lot of Gary Clark Jr. And I loved his, how gritty his guitar was, but at the same time, it just, it felt so clean. And like, I would love to achieve something like that. And so I guess like what I'm trying to say is like the inspirations and the people that I looked up to, um, they, they really, uh, they really helped influence like my sound. Um, just cause I, they, they allowed me to get out of my shell and start to experiment more with, with, um, with my sounds and stuff and not be afraid of, um, if something sounds possibly bad, you know, cause it'll, it'll, it'll work its way to being good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you brought up Gary Clark. Um, he's another guy that kind of, uh, brings me back to the whole topic of, you know, he's, he's, he's a blues person, but he's not a blues. He's not straight blues. You know, everyone's just oh, worried no. about. You know, they just, everyone wants to know where to file music, you know, it's, are you, are you this, are you this? So they know where to put it. Yeah. Where do you, do you feel that that's kind of a, you know, problem with your stuff too? It's like, yeah, blues is what you're associated with, but how would you like to, what would you like to say you are? You're, are you straight blues or what? Like, what do you, what are you? Well, I, I actually, I, I struggled with this too over the, I don't know how many times, however long I've been playing, I. I never knew like what to call myself because people are like, okay, well, what, what genre of you, what, what genre are you, what genre of you? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I, I guess, uh, I, cause I wasn't straight blues and I, I'm still not, but I would probably say uh, rock with blues influences. Um, that's probably yeah. the, the most specific I can get. Cause you know, rock is so many sounds and blues gave birth to rock. So I mean, really I could just say exactly. rock, but <laughs> I really want to emphasize yeah. the, the blues. Yeah, right on. And now when it comes to your songwriting, uh, especially uh, at the age of which you began, how did you really, you know, start to understand the structure and, you know, music theory and songwriting when it, you know, came to that of formulating bridges, choruses, verses, etc.? And was it something that, you know, just kind of came natural or was it something that like you picked up by way of listening? Because you, you've done an incredible job. Oh, thank you. Uh, definitely listening. Um, but I didn't start listening um kind of i didn't i didn't didn't start like listening to the 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 bridges and all that and the structure of songwriting um until i realized i needed to organize like my inspiration and all the ideas that i had like overflowing from my mind so um but like once i realized i had all of these song ideas and i'd written them down i'm like you know i i really need to know how to organize these so that's when i started listening to songs and and then um, over the past two years, I've studied under people like Judy Stakey and Jason Bloom, uh, which are really big songwriters in the business. And I've learned so much on on techniques on how to get your thoughts out and you know keep them in front of you so you don't forget about them as well. 
Wow, that's awesome. And uh, when when your first album came out, uh, Chaos Before Conformity in 2015, I believe, that that would have made you, uh, I believe, right around a eighth grade freshman in high school, correct? Freshman, yes. <laughs> freshman. How difficult was you, you know, to kind of focus on writing that album while also balancing the workload that high school tends to throw at young teenagers like you? Was it Was it hard to kind of, you know, you know, incorporate, yeah, that social life, music, and school, or was it like, you know, I really want to just do music? How hard was that for you? Oh, gosh, it, you know, it it did get a little difficult at times, uh, especially since I was in public, public school uh, freshman year, like, and I, I was also, like, on the track team, so I'd always had to say, yo, I can't come to rehearsal, I can't, I can't come to, uh, I can't come to pr- practice because I got to go record my album, and, and it was always so hard to get out of school, especially when I needed the travel, so, um, yeah, it, it became very difficult, and um, I, I never got behind in my work, though, but it got really stressful trying to keep up with everything. So I actually, um, halfway through sophomore year, I went to online school, and ever since then, it's been fantastic, and I can take school with me, I can work ahead, and I'm even doing college at the same time as high school, so it's really opened up a lot of opportunities for me. Wow, that's incredible. And not to mention, it also helps when you have, you know, support system like like you do. I mean, there's a lot of parents out there who, oh, you want to do music? Oh, you know, but your parents <laughs> seem to be really supportive and everything that I've seen online about that. I mean, she, I mean that, that's got to help uh, big time too, right? Correct? Oh, yes. Yeah, I, honestly, I couldn't be more thankful for the parents I have and everything they've done for me in my music career. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and you they, know, been, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I was going to say, they, they've... They've taught me a lot too. Um, my my mom and dad know a lot of um, a lot about business, and so they it, they were able to pick up you know like the music business um, pretty easily. And they've been teaching me as much as possible between reading contracts and um, interacting with with venues. You know, I've I've learned a lot from them. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, up until this point, what did what would you have to say has been so far the most validating moment of your young career? Oh, wow. Um, there's been a few, but the one that really sticks out in my mind was um, getting to play at the King Biscuit with uh, Larry McRae and Bob Margolin and a lot of the people that, I mean, I'm inspired by. Um, they invited me up on, on stage and we just, we all jammed, jammed on, the, on a blues, like a couple of blues songs and I even got to sing one. So it was, it was fantastic and it was so cool because they're, that's I think it's the longest running blues festival in the United States. And um, wow. what was even cooler is they invited me back the next year um, with my own band. So I think that was definitely where when I realized, wow, that moment that I got up on the stage with all of like my inspirations really opened the door for me. That's awesome. And you said you mentioned getting up on stage. Let's go back to that, too. Is when when, yeah. when was that first time you, you got on stage? And what was that like? Because, I mean, it's. I've done this before with open mic nights at local bars and stuff, but when you get up there, that first time is always the hardest. But then after that first time, it's addicting. You don't want to stop. Oh, what yeah. was your first time like? <laughs> I mean, how, what were the, I mean, go through that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, you know, I think, so I, I, like you said, the open jams and everything, I, I did a lot of those and I worked my, my butt off going there and networking with people. I think my first gig was at this, um, this place in Newport, Kentucky. Um, I think I'm pretty sure that was, and it had like a pretty good stage and I was kind of, I never get nervous, but I was just, the excitement was a little, little bit driven by nerves, (laughs) but, uh, 
it was looking back at that and comparing to how I how I get on stage now, like it's it's definitely um, a different feeling. But yeah, like like you said, it it is addicting <laughs> because the energy that the audience gives you, no matter if it's one person or if it's a thousand, it's it's that energy is the same. Yeah, of course. And then, uh, you know, you've you've also had the opportunity to uh, come to Chicago and you know open. Uh, I don't know if it wasn't during a residency, but uh, you've also got you got to play at uh, Buddy's Legends. What was that like? I mean, that yes. there's not too many blues clubs in the world, and there's not too many bigger <laughs> than that of Legends. What was that like being able to play on that stage with people? You know, Mick and Keith uh, played on that stage. Um, James Bay, Johnny Lang. Um, John Mayer played. I mean, what was it like oh. to be on that same stage that, you know, so many people had the privilege of, you know, being on as well? That I, when I heard that I had, that I got that show, I was, I was in awe. I was like, whoa, because <laughs> like you said, there's been so many legends that have played on that. And, you know, and, and it shows too, when you, when you get there and I don't, it, the, just the whole experience, it wasn't just getting on the stage. Just everyone was so nice and welcoming and it really felt like everyone there was really trying to keep the blues alive. And I, that's why, that's why I love that club because they, you can tell that they're, they're really, they're really doing something about keeping the blues alive. And, you know, I mean, the first time I was there, they even had the, the their live video going on, which goes all over the world. And I know like a bunch of people from India started following me. It was, it was so cool. It was it was really neat to be able to reach someone or reach more people through that through that stage and everything, which was really neat. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know the the, the crazy thing is, you know, with Buddy and the way he's you know he's family family owned and run. Is it after 30 years of you know being a blues club? This past year, he finally broke even, and oh. I, I just I just found that I just awe because of the fact that you know it's Buddy Guy, blah blah blah, and he goes, no one supports the blues anymore. And I think it's important to have, you know, the young guns coming up like you really really kind of keep it in alive. And I I think that's quite awesome. So yeah, kudos absolutely. to you on that. And you got yeah, thank so, you. Yeah, you got some exciting news too right now too. You're working on your third studio album, correct? Yes, I just got out of the studio about three or four weeks ago. Wow. And what can people expect in this uh, next album from uh, Aaron Coburn? And what's the plan on releasing? So, well, so this next album definitely shows um, more of my rock side, but you can you can for sure hear the blues influences. The the blues still pokes out in the songs, and uh, there's actually. Um, there are actually horns in this in this album, which I was not even going in to record this album. I wasn't even thinking about horns. And then all of a sudden, I left the studio and there were horns on the songs. I'm like, that is cool because it really ties in those the blues with the rock. It it's awesome. But um, compared to like my other albums, this one's a lot more focused, I think, and it it delivers a, a clear message when it comes to overcoming societal standards. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm going to – I'm anticipating early to mid-June for release on this album as well. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And getting back to, you know, kind of tying in live performances and studio work too, when you play shows live uh, and you, you're doing your thing, do you ever switch up the solos? Because I've seen with some people before where, you know, that they'll get in the studio and they'll play a solo and then every night it's the same, same solo. And it kind of gets, you know, it's like <laughs> – nothing changes like the same show do you ever how do you approach you know that 
that situation with that? Do you always switch them up? That's that's a great question. Actually, uh, yes. So that ever since I started playing shows, um, I've I don't think I've ever played the same solo for any song in my set lists. But um, just just recently, after this third album, I am gonna try to get a little bit more structured with my shows, just so. I, I know sometimes I don't know if, if anyone else does this, but when I go to, when I went to Gary Clark Jr.'s show, I was singing along with his guitar solos. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if there's someone out there that likes to sing along with my guitar solo, I do want to give them the opportunity to do that during one of my live shows. But um, I mean, I'm not gonna kick myself if I mess up with it. I'm just I like I do love to do free form solos and just roll with it because again, that's that's really what the blues is all about as well. Improv is a huge. Uh, a huge thing that it revolves around. Now, with your with your two uh, albums already. Now, when the, when you, when you recorded those, were those recorded? Did you have a full band together then? Because I know guys like I've talked to Quinn Sullivan, where his first album that was actually recorded in a studio with actual other musicians was mm-hmm. his most recent one, Midnight Highway. His first three. Two or three were all loops that he kind of just, you know, at home oh, yeah. was created. Have you always worked with other musicians in a studio? Or your first album kind of a more DIY type project? Uh, actually, yes, I did. I did work with uh, studio or not. I worked with studio studio musicians on my last album uh, or my most recent one. That I just got out of the studio with. But my first and second album, I worked with um, members of uh, the band that backs me. Um, today. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so I just, I love that. I love having that human interaction because um, I think I think there's a lot more feeling in it. I'm not, I'm not dissing like loop tracks or anything. I think those are a great tool. And actually, I just started using those at home in my home studio, but uh, <laughs> I love the human interaction with the, with the whole music, with, with creating it and recording it. Yeah, yeah. And which artists out there today would you love to collaborate with sometime and why? Oh, Gary Clark Jr. All the way. And he's just, he's so versatile with his sound. You know, like he, I know his most recent record, he he does anything yeah. from reggae to rock to blues to hip hop. Like, I just, I love that he doesn't have, he, has, he hasn't like pigeonholed himself into one genre. And I feel like collabing with him would be like so freeing because you're not trying to aim for one genre. You're just making sounds and feelings that you both um, that both feel right. That feel right to both of you. You know, it's not like oh, we have to make this hip hop track. <laughs> yeah, and that was the yeah. one thing that was following him around, like you know, a, a dark cloud everywhere he went. It was the fact that you know he fell into the pressure. His early stuff, you know, was heavy blues. Oh, yeah. Then he's like, oh no, now I gotta stick with this. When in fact, yeah. it's like, no, I, you know, I'm a music guy. I love the blues. I'm gonna do what I want with it. But exactly. yeah, so like, what what's your thoughts on uh, his uh? The headlining track on his new album, I think it was what called This Land, right? Yeah, This Land. Oh, my. I, I heard him do a version of that on Howard Stern. He did an interview, and wow. Like, it was so cool. I think I think this, I think his most recent album is so incredible. It, it's very different and very unique, but very raw yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, after perusing online, I, I couldn't really figure out who they were, but... It said that you got to record with the uh, various Grammy award-winning artists in Nashville. Who were some of those artists, and how how awesome of a time was that? Well, I got to play with them. Um, I got the honor of getting up with Joseph Wooten, for example, in Nashville at uh, at Third and Lindsley. 
it was unreal. I, I was I was really little too, not really little, but I was I was smaller than I am now. But being on that stage was just a whole different energy. You know, I it it was a whole new level of professional around me. <laughs> there was Pat Buchanan was up there, um, Aretha Franklin's uh, backup singer, Scat Springs. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And uh, of course, I always like to end interviews with uh, gear rundowns or rig rundown questions. But uh, obviously, we could kind of start off with a situation that just happened a couple weeks ago or last oh. weekend. Um, finishing off your little tour. Uh, what, what ended up happening there? Uh, two guitars so, ended up uh, snapping or something. Yeah, two of my absolute favorite guitars. Um, my Electra, which is the pre-lawsuit, it was modeled after the 335, uh, and my Tele, which is a Malaysian Blackwood Tele, both uh, a speaker landed on them at my show. And then the speaker wasn't tied down properly and someone stumbled into it and it went on top of my guitars and the neck snapped and there were pieces all over the place. Oh, it was, it was a nightmare. <laughs> I, I looked over and I, at first I just saw the speaker. So I just kept playing the song and then my parents looked at me and they're like, your guitars. And that's when I just, my whole face <laughs> just sunk. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so yeah, that, oh my, I can't even... I can't even explain the amount of heartbreak that I was feeling, and still I am. <laughs> yeah, were you able to get those fixed? I know in the video you said that you were gonna get them, try to get get them fixed. Is there any uh, any luck going on with that right now? Or so my luthier is currently working on that. Um, he said the telly should not be a problem to fix, but Oof. the Electra. Your might... favorite one. <laughs> yeah, my favorite. I have that. I have my Electra actually tattooed on my arm. But that, that's the guitar that I may need to find a replacement for. And I really hope not. But yeah, he's going to no try. But aside, so. Yeah. Aside from those two, what else do you have? So I also have uh, an American Strat Deluxe. And that actually was the only guitar that was gifted to me. Everything else I bought. But that guitar, uh, my grandpa gave to me. And that is probably my favorite one now. Um, I love anything with whammy bars on it. So that one is definitely a plus. <laughs> Um, and then I have, uh, actually I just recently, it's not a guitar, but I have a custom made electric ukulele with, um, P well, pickups that are similar to P90s and, um, a whammy bar on it as well. Oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> that's it awesome. sings. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen and blues jazz lovers tuning in, that was Aaron Coburn, the incredibly talented female blues rocket guitarist and singer-songwriter. For those interested in seeing Aaron in the Chicagoland area, you can check her out at Buddy Guys Legends on May 18th. I know I just bought my ticket, so hopefully I can see y'all there and uh, check Aaron out. She's going to put on one heck of a show. So thank you, Aaron, for calling today. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Alrighty, that was Aaron Cover.
Ladies and gentlemen, that was the wonderful Aaron Coburn. I'd like to thank you for tuning in today for the debut of the Monday Morning Blues. I'm your host, Christian Hansen. We'll see you next time. Till then, like the master buddy guy says, remember to keep the blues alive and well. Thank you. Have a good one. These are uncertain times. We can all use a helping hand. And these are the times when credit unions are at their best. We're not-for-profit financial cooperatives owned and operated by members. And we're here to help with emergency loans and special programs during this crisis. These are the times when we take care of each other. Your credit union is here to help because we're all in this together. To learn how Illinois credit unions are here to help during the COVID-19 crisis, go to betterforillinois.org. In uncertain times, we could use someone to lean on. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois will stand by you with plan options to fit your budget. If you've recently lost your job, had a baby, or moved, you can still get the health care coverage you and your family need. Financial help may be available for those who qualify. Call 866-575-BLUE or visit hereforyouil.com to see if you're eligible to enroll. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, a division of Healthcare Service Corporation, a mutual legal reserve company. This is Derek's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. After the third time jump-starting my car, I finally realized my battery was dying. So I stopped by O'Reilly to have it checked. They tested it right there in the parking lot. It was bad, real bad. But they helped me find the right battery for my car and even installed it for free. Now my car starts like new. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is Joanne Jenkins, CEO of AARP. The coronavirus continues to affect us all, and we're providing trusted information, battling fraud, and creating resources for caregivers. Stay connected at aarp.org slash coronavirus.